Can you imagine? I mean, can you for a second lend me your mind's eye? Visualize these words a story of what can come from the dust, what can come from love, what can come from trust. Faith so tiny mountains can be moved, a faith that was shaken when I was removed. For a moment, I'll recall the tale of a young lad, surrounded by those who doubted and misunderstood. His acting out wasn't his longing to be bad, but his aching, his aching need for something good. From home to home, the journey be unknown. Surrounded by faces, but still feeling alone. From home to home, alone with the trash bag of belongings. In his hand, he carried the dreams that he fostered of belonging. The revolving door of sleeping on group home floors. Until he was floored by the one who he knew would never leave or forsake. For each family he encountered, he was sculpted, molded, made. Even those who wander off are never lost. We keep trekking because the prize at the end is full of the glory promised. With many caseworkers, volunteers, mentors, and fathers. Found because open arms stay waiting. A plan and two hands built for creating. See, even Jesus lived in a house that wasn't his home. Was fostered and loved. And when he was grown, he fostered us in his image and gave life to the earth. And through his healing sacrifice, he gave our lives worth. share a story with you this morning that I've shared before. Uh, about four years ago, uh, my, at, my, at the time, Tina was my administrative assistant. Tina came to me and said, uh, Pastor Dan, we, uh, do you know Rebecca? Do you remember Rebecca? I'm like, I, maybe there's something else you could tell me. I don't remember her name. She said, well, she came in with a group uh, of ladies who lived in transitional housing. So ladies who were just getting out of jail and before they went off to be on their own, uh, they were in this transitional housing and that group came to our church services. This is in Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, well, anyway, she was with that group. You might remember her, Tina says. She wore a mini skirt and she had an ankle monitor on. And uh, you know, I remembered her. If, if you want to make an impression, by the way, at a church, if you come in with a, with a mini skirt and an ankle monitor, you will be noticed and remembered. Uh, almost guarantee. So anyways, I, I see, yeah, I, I do remember seeing her. Don't really know her or anything, but I remember seeing her. And she says, well, Rebecca is pregnant, and she's back in jail. Uh, and come August, she's going to be having a child, and she's going to be getting out on parole sometime in October. So she's needing somebody that would be willing, she's looking for a Christian family that would be willing to take her child for two months uh, before she gets out so that the baby doesn't have to go into foster care. She doesn't have any family or anything like that around here. Uh, do you know anybody who might be interested in taking this child? And I said, probably not, um, uh, but I'll pray about it, right? And I uh, did pray about it, and, and lo and behold, felt some conviction. It's like, you know, maybe for two months, we as our family, we, we could consider uh, maybe, perhaps, possibly taking this child. So I came back to Tina and, uh, with, with, with uh, all kinds of enthusiasm and faith, um, that's sarcasm, and said, you know what, if there's a list of families, I guess you can put us on it as long as we're on you know, the bottom of the list. So we can say... You know, we were willing, but look at that, we didn't have to do anything. So uh, Tina put me on a list, and a couple months goes by, and I get a phone call. She says, hey, Dan, uh, uh, Rebecca, if you remember this conversation, she had her baby. This was uh, uh, on a Wednesday. And uh, we're going to have a meeting with Child Protective Services on Friday to determine where the child is going to be placed while she finishes out her stay in prison. And I said, all right, is there, there is a list then. And she said, yeah, there's like three or four or five different uh, couples who are kind of on this list of people who are willing. I'm like, all right, great. So my odds are about 20%. I like that. 
Uh, so weird, crazy week. If you guys aren't going to laugh at my jokes, by the way, you're going you're gonna to make this difficult. I'm just going to say. <clears throat> there, you guys are like, was there a joke? I didn't catch a joke. So the, um, Friday comes along, and uh, we, we show up to this meeting, and at the time, we had like a small farm, so we were milking goats and cow and all that, and we had to drive over an hour to get to this meeting and be there at 8 a.m. So we had to get up extra early, get everything done, and we go down, and we get to this uh, uh, um, uh, uh, office for a meeting, and we were the only ones there. And I was like, what the heck? And then I found out they canceled the meeting. I'm like, oh, that's probably good news, you know, if they canceled the meeting or whatever. And the guy comes out and he goes, hey, are you the Krauses? I'm like, well, there's nobody else here, so yeah, that's us. And he says, okay, well, we canceled our meeting because last night Rebecca signed over guardianship to you guys. She's, and then he says, we need to go to the hospital right now for you to get the baby. Do you need anything? I need everything. Our youngest kid's like 10 years old. I mean, like, we didn't keep stuff for this. I'm like, yeah, we need everything. He's like, well, you better hurry and get it because we need to go get this baby. So we go to the hospital, and in this room is, is, is Rebecca, obviously in the hospital bed, holding on to her newborn uh, baby boy, and an armed security guard or a police officer or a corrections officer, I'm not sure which, at the end of the bed, because uh, he had to be there with her at all times because, well, she was incarcerated. And I'll tell you, it was a, it was a tense scene. Rebecca didn't know us, and we didn't know Rebecca. She just knew that I pastored a church, and that at that moment, I was her hope that her child could be in a Christian home for two months. When I say it was tense, I mean literally I had to take the baby and pull him away from her while she was weeping because the hospital staff had waited long enough and the correction officer says, either you do it or I do it. I mean, we're talking intense, right? And you know, I think about what could have happened that day. You know, if, if a Christian family didn't say, if there wasn't four or five Christian families that says, you know what, we can do this for the next couple of months. By the way, it turned into a year. Different story. What would happen if she didn't have a Christian family that says yes? Well, I'll tell you what might have happened and what happens in so many circumstances like this where a woman will get impregnated and be in prison. She just gives up and, puts, and, and has an abortion. You know how often that happens? Or sometimes if that doesn't happen and she has the child, the child goes into foster care. And that can be a really good thing. There are some fantastic foster parents. There are some fantastic foster parents and families in our church. But it can also be a difficult thing. See, Rebecca herself was a foster kid. Her mom was an addict. Her dad was nowhere to be seen or found. And when she was about 12 years old, she was being sexually abused by her foster dad. And so she ran away and never looked back. She figured out she could make money in crime. And that was her life. You know, it's so easy, sidebar, it's so easy to see people who are losing their kids to foster care or to foster system and, and, and judge them for the decisions that they had made. But when you step back and you picture that adult as a little kid, so often, more often than not, their situation was just like the kids that they have. It's this vicious cycle that continues to perpetuate itself in our community. But God gave us an opportunity to step in and break the cycle. Now Rebecca is out of jail. Rebecca has a relationship with Christ. Rebecca is teaching her son about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And I believe that the cycle has been broken. Friends, we have some incredible opportunities. 
And there's one that I was willing to change the entire uh, day around that I heard about this week. There is an emergency in Richland County, and there is a great need for homes for foster children. And I believe that the church must answer that call. The church must answer that call. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, God, I thank You for the incredible blessing You gave me and Kelly and the kids with that young boy that we are allowed to have in our lives for a year. God, it sure seemed like a burden before we brought him home, and what a blessing it turned out to. What a blessing it turned out to be. There was sacrifice. There were sleepless nights. There was difficulties. But God, You are so good. God, as we open Your Word today, God, I just pray that You will just guide us to be more like You. Help us as the church to answer this call. God, may no child, may no child in Richland County, may no child in Ohio know what it's like to not have a family who wants them. God, never let it be that little boys and little girls go isolated through their lives and unwanted. God, You adopted us into Your family. May we be a people, may we be a people who look out for the least of these, who step in and intervene in the lives of an orphan. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's going to be a little bit of conviction today, I should warn you. This is the second time I've preached this, obviously, in the last couple hours. And it's a difficult message. It's not difficult to understand. The Bible could not be more clear when it comes to this. It could not be more clear that the church must step in and help the orphans in our community. This isn't an option for us. This is a reality that we must step into. That part is clear. What's difficult is how it might change our lives. And are we willing to make our lives changed for the sake of the Gospel and for the least of these in our community. Listen to James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is saying, listen, you want religion in your life. And so often now we hear how bad religion is, right? That don't, you know, I don't want religion, I just want Jesus. And there's all kinds of things going on about that. Listen, I'm not going to get into the definitions of the word, but we are a religious people by definition. And James is saying here, religious, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now what he's not saying is to go visit, I was here, now I'm gone. He's saying come alongside of. Come alongside of widows and orphans. And before we go on into this, I want, to, I want to commend you, Berean Baptist Church, because I think you're very good at this in general. Now obviously there's room for improvement, right? But as a local church, I think this church is very good at this. We, we just had, um, between the services, a, 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 a lady, a, a precious lady comes to me and says, I just got to tell you how awesome Brian has been. Uh, her, her husband had passed away some months ago, and so she, now she's a widow. And she's like, I got to tell you how supported and loved I am by this church body. This congregation's incredible. 
So we know this verse, and we do, I think, take it to heart, that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Yet there are foster kids in our community that don't have a place to lay their head. We have a problem in our community, and I'm calling us as a church to live out this directive in James 1.27. Richland County is at an emergency level for the number of foster children needing a safe place to live. We can and we must. We can and we must make a difference in these kids' lives and answer this call. I think we as the church now, capital C, we've missed some opportunities. I know I have myself. I'm going to get real with you for a second, okay? I'm going to be real the whole time, but this in particular. Yesterday, Elijah is at hockey down in Columbus, and I'm, I'm sitting in my car, and I see two women who, who are together as a, as a couple. They would call themselves married, and their child. And I thought, man, what a messed up world that this kid's going to have to come up in. With two moms, not a dad, all the confusion, all the, all the nonsense that this child's going to uh, have to worry about. And then the conviction hit me. They have that child because I don't. You know, as Christians, we worry about who's going to have the uh, ability to adopt kids. Listen, what if the church just said, we will, I will. I don't have to worry about what kind of family this child's coming into just so long as I'm willing to open up my own door. And if I'm not willing to open up my own door, what am I really saying? What am I really saying? Friends, we demonstrate our love for Christ by loving those who are in need. That's how we demonstrate the love of Christ, by loving those who are in need. Listen to Matthew 25, verses 35-40. through 40. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have the words up on the screen behind me, or if you're watching online, the words will be up on your screen there. Matthew 25, 35-40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see uh, you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did did it to, um, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We have this description of a helpless situation of need. There was hungry, the hungry, there was the thirsty, there was the lost, the naked, the imprisoned. Have you, church, ever been in a situation or a position of real need? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of need that your kids have. Right? As parents, we know this word really well. Dad, I need a new video game. Right? Oh, man, I, I need to go do this. I need to go do that. And sometimes our kids, by the grace of God, really don't know need. Have you ever been in a situation of completely being helpless in a need? Have you ever been actually hungry? Have you ever had a situation where you didn't know where you are going to be able to lay your head? Have you ever actually been thirsty and not had water? Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't clothe your body and protect yourselves from the elements of the outdoors? Have you ever been in a situation of need? Have you ever been imprisoned, isolated, alone, and with nobody there with you? 
of actual need. Friends, all over our community, all over our county, right now, there are little boys and little girls with actual needs. They're scared. In many cases, a police officer had just come into their home and taken their mother or father away and taking them and put them in a strange family and strange home that they have no, they don't recognize at all. This happens all the time in our community. Actual need. As adults, can we imagine how traumatic it would be for us to be taken from our family? And we have some level of emotional uh, maturity and emotional intelligence. What about a little kid? You know, they might know that their mom and dad have problems, but it's their mom and dad and now they're gone. All the time in our community, kids who have actual need, and church, we can step in and meet those needs. Should a Christian help if they can? Boy, it's an easy question, isn't it? I don't think anybody would stand up and argue, no, church should stay out of this. Let the orphans worry about the orphans. Of course we would never say that. We know that we must step in and be involved. How do we treat those in need demonstrates how we would treat Christ in a similar situation. He says at the end of this text, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of, these le- one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We get to demonstrate how we would treat Christ when we step in and we care for those in need. Particularly in this context, the orphans in our community. We must be willing to sacrificially be helping others as it's always the right answer. Sacrificially helping others for a Christian is always the right answer. You are never wrong when you're willing to do that. We have been given all that we have as stewards for God's kingdom, not for our own kingdoms. We need to break those kingdom walls down if it's our own kingdom. Stop building our own kingdom and start working on the Lord's. What He has given us, He has given us to be stewards for His purposes. Are we willing to use them that way? 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Varied grace. Simply put, sharing is caring. Kind of easy to remember, right? Sharing is caring. Hebrews 13.16 Do not neglect to do good and to, and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Are we going to share what God has given us? What if it means we have to open our home to a child who has had a troubled life? Somebody needs to. It might as well be the church. It might as well be us, followers of Jesus Christ, who step in in those situations. We need to put up or shut up when it comes to this. 1 John 3, 17 and 18, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Listen, we talk a lot about loving our community. Are we willing to put it into action when it requires actual sacrifice? You know, we can bury our heads in the sand and not see the world that's going on around us and see the need that is there. But today, one of the purposes of today is to shine a light on the orphans in our community so that none of us can be go home and say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a need for foster homes in our community. 
We can never say that again. There is a need. We're aware of the need. We must step in and meet that need. There is no room for misunderstanding our Father's mandate here. None. There is no room for misunderstanding the Father's mandate. I'm going to give you a few uh, verses here. Can I tell you, I could give you probably two hours worth of verses on this topic. The Bible is not silent when it comes to this. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Acts 20.35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How He Himself said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. John 15.12-17 This is My commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are My friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does, does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from My Father I have made known to you. You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. He's made it abundantly clear that He has called us to be on mission with Him and to sacrifice our very lives like He sacrificed His life for us. And as we do that, as we join Him on in that way, He's going to answer our prayers. He is going to be there with us. Romans 15, 1-2 We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and do not please and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now how many of us have been in situations where we've seen a, a home uh, completely destroyed by drug use or, or, or whatever the case may be? And we look at them and say, hey, listen, why are you acting like this? This is terrible. Like You're getting what you deserve. You know what? Some of that may be true, but what about the children? Do they deserve it? Do they deserve to not have a safe home to live in? No. No. And we forget the fact that what happened to their parents to make them in the situation that they're in now. So much of it is choice, but so much of it is also environmental things that have happened in maybe their own childhood where nobody intervened and helped. Are we going to be willing, church, are we going to be willing to step out of our comfort zone, to open the doors of our homes and say we are going to help? We are going to love those who are difficult to love. We are going to put ourselves in situations and of sacrifice for the good of the orphans in our community. This isn't a matter of should we. Yes, the answer is yes, we should. The, answer, the question is will we? Will we do that? Will we be willing to make ourselves uncomfortable? Will we be willing to open up our doors and maybe even to be taken advantage of for the good of the orphans in our community? Listen, when Richland uh, County Children's Services says, hey, we have an emergency. We need more rooms, more homes for foster children. The church, this Breen Baptist Church needs to be a church that every time we hear that, we just say, we don't know what it looks like, but yes, we'll help. Yes, we'll help. We'll figure out the details later, but yes, we will definitely help. 
Matthew 5.42 Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. How about Isaiah 1.17 Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. We have an obligation to follow the Lord's mandate. To love those. To serve those least of these. These orphans that are in these terrible situations. Will we step in? Will we as the church answer the call so there are no more kids needing a bed tonight? I don't know about you, but that just tears my heart in two. The fact that some of the things that these little kids have seen, you know, if we don't do anything and we sit on our hands, let us not point fingers when those kids end up in jail. How dare we point figures when these kids make mistakes that we allowed to stay in the world when we could have opened our door and and given some help? We can't point fingers when we weren't willing to step in. This isn't optional. We must step in. And when we do, I believe that we're going to find that there is great blessing that comes from helping others. This isn't all just bearing a hardship. Sometimes there's great blessing and even joy I shared my story with you about Rebecca, not to brag because we've done a whole lot of things wrong in that whole situation, but I I shared that because I get the blessing now to see a mom who has turned her life to Christ, a mom who is teaching her son about Jesus. This lady just a few years ago was in prison. She was a drug dealer and a madam. Now she's sharing Christ and she's a business owner and takes her son with her where she goes. What if nobody stepped in and she was utterly alone? What then? Because there are many people like that who need the help, but we don't want to enter into the situation, to the difficulty, to the struggle. And we miss out on this great blessing that comes from helping others. Proverbs 19.17 Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will repay him for his deed. Luke 6.38, Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you, use to, measure you use it will be measured back to you. We cannot outgive God. Period. Proverbs 22.9, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Galatians 6.9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. Church, do not give up. I started this with a, with a commendation that, that Berean Baptist Church is very good in this way. We are, I think as a, as, a, as a community, we've done very good things. There are several uh, foster families that attend here at Berean. And in a couple of minutes, you're going to hear from one of them. But the truth of the matter is, more needs to be done. More needs to be done. We need Christian homes willing to open their doors to protect the children. To invest in the lives of their parents. Because they deserve, they need that too. Are we going to be willing to answer that call and step into this situation? I believe adoption and fostering is one of the most Christ-like things we could ever do. Have you ever been to an adoption hearing? Anybody? I'll tell you what, I've been to a few of them. And it tears me up. It's, good. it's a good tear up, by the way, not a bad. 
But when that judge gives that child their new last name and all the rights and privileges with, with, that come with being that new, uh, uh, in that new family, that's a picture of our salvation. We didn't really bring anything to it. That kid doesn't really bring anything to it. You know, the parents are going to be the ones who have to put all the money, all the effort, and everything into raising the child. But they're saying, you know what? We're going to love you. We're going to choose to love you. And you're going to become one of us. That's what God has done in our lives. Are we, will, are we going to be willing? Are we going to be willing as a church to step in and answer this call? I'm going to ask uh, Nathan Martin to come on up and join me. If you don't clap or anything, it's going to be awkward for a couple seconds. I'm just saying. Nathan, I'm not sure that was sincere, but thank you guys. So I asked Nathan to join me because you represent um, one of the foster families at Berean, and I just want to ask you some questions to kind of help us think through this. All right. So uh, tell us, you know, first of all, how many children currently live in your home? So 10, we have six biological, uh, then one adopted, and then three foster children. Okay, tell us what, what caused you guys, six biological kids, and you had the, the, the six biological kids prior to. Correct, yep. So with six kids in your house, what mm -hmm. would cause you to uh, want to step into foster care? Yeah, I would love to say it was because just the goodness of our heart, that we're just really great people. Uh, that's not true. Um, uh, God pushed us in that direction. Um, you know, a couple things going on in our life. We had a very difficult year with four miscarriages, and that kind of softened our heart to uh, children and the need. And then we had a couple other things happen in our lives, uh, having someone come live with us who was going through a drug problem and had she had five, five and under, and three of them were triplets. Uh, so she came to live with us for a time. And So, so you had six biological kids in your house. Yep. You invited in a lady with five kids of her own. That's correct. Okay, I have more questions, but we'll keep moving. Yeah, yeah. I understand. So we had gone through that situation when we had seen the need. And so we decided to uh, take classes and uh, get certified. And uh, a week later, week, 10 days later, uh, we uh, got a call for our first placement. So, and here we are. So I, I know that was sincere. That was a sincere one. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. So I, I, I know... All this stuff went through your mind, and, and I'm sure there's people like in the in the in the um, audience or online who are hearing this and thinking, you know what? I've got kids of my own, mm -hmm. biological kids of my own at the house, you know. And when you open your door to foster care, yep. you're opening your door to potential issues. I mean, obviously, there's been some hardship and some traumatic things that have happened in the child's life to put them in foster care. That's correct. Um, is that a good idea to bring kids, foster kids, into your home when you have biological kids there that you're raising? Yeah, there's a certain level of wisdom. So I have nine daughters, right? So having, you know, teenage boys coming into the house, probably not. You guys not did hear that boys. right, by the way. There's nine daughters. That is true. Yes, lots of estrogen. So it's great. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Anyway, so, uh, um, but, uh, so having teenage boys come in the house, probably not the, you know, the wisest thing or whatever. So we, we were able to limit the scope of what we wanted um, uh, to, we're willing to allow, and um, so there is some discretion there. Um, but uh, the biggest thing is that you do it as a family, and so we sat all the kids down and explained everything. And you know, it's a it's a harsh reality to face, and a lot of us don't face that till later on in life. That hurt people hurt people, and a lot of times when hurt people are hurting other people, it's not because of a malice towards them. 
is from this just deep hurt with inside of them they can't explain. And so, you know, when uh, the foster kids are uh, marking up the walls or destroying the walls or, you know, stealing toys or hurting other kids, like we're able to walk through that with our kids of this is a reflection of, one, the real world and what we all see as adults, but also a reflection of uh, the grace that we can give. Yeah, thank you. So what about dealing with the foster or the uh, the biological parents of the foster kids? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that creates some issues. It's, it's it it can, um, but you know, in our family, we always try to impress on everyone. We have rules, right? And the number one rule is the golden rule, and the golden rule has you know the world's definition of the golden rule has a lot to do with other people's behavior towards us. The actual golden rule has everything to do with how we react. And so what we've said is how would we want to be treated if we were on the other side of the table? Uh, and that's how we um, are, are trying to do that with a lot of grace. And sometimes that's very difficult because the parents and what they're doing to themselves or in some cases to the children itself. Um, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite lyrics of songs uh, of song is that the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. And so when you come to the table and you realize that, you can really speak into their lives as well. Uh, because it's not just a ministry to the kids. Um, the, the number one priority of every child that comes into the system is reunification with a family. Right? It's not to necessarily be adopted. Um, that's almost the last resort. Uh, it's that reunification. So as a foster family, how can you be that light of Jesus and grace um, to help that reunification process. Because again, just think about it. Reunification, what greater, um, what greater essence of the gospel is there yeah. that we left and he's wanting reunification with us? Absolutely. So you mentioned the, the first placement you had, um, you actually ended, you did end up adopting. June, yep. June, so you adopted June from foster care and I want to give you some quick stats here real quick. Okay. Um, you, well, you, you've already heard them. Um, but according to the Congressional Coalition of on Adoption Institute, that's really not that hard to say, but I made it hard. There are currently in the United States 437,000 uh, kids that are in foster care currently. And, and as Nathan said, the, the, the number one goal is reunification with the parents. But that doesn't always happen. That's not always possible. In fact, there are 125,000 Children in the United States right now awaiting adoption. Uh, that means that they will not reunite with their family, and they will remain in foster care until uh, or if they are adopted. Um, as of 2020, so just during the pandemic, there were 344,894 evangelical congregations in the United States of America. So I did the math. Uh, that means if one family out of every 2.75 congregations in the United States adopted one of these waiting children out of foster care, there would be zero children in the United States awaiting adoption. That's convicting to me because it seems so doable. That if one family over the next couple of weeks decided to adopt out of foster care, uh, the kids who are awaiting adoption, there would be zero kids left on that list. Now obviously it's a moving target, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, As soon as you do that, there would be more kids. Uh, But right now, the, the, the church in the United States could wipe that completely clean. That's correct. So tell me, though, about specifically some of the foster needs that we have currently right now in Richland County. Yeah, so I have, I have statistics as well. So, All right. 
Uh, right now, currently, there are around 60 foster care homes in Richland County. Uh, so 60 foster care homes, and that doesn't speak to how many beds are available. Some of those are filled, some of those are capped, uh, et cetera. On average, there are 120 kids that are in custody. Um, you may be thinking, well, what's the hardest uh, kids to place? And it happens to be sibling sets, but also teenagers. There's a big need there. Um, annually, uh, Richland County S Services has over 5,400 calls of report of child abuse or neglect. And they have about 1,700 active cases going on at any given time. Um, so and there's 60, 60, six zero. Uh, foster families. Foster care homes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a big job for 60 home, homes to take care yeah. of, without a doubt. Um, so tell us a little bit about the booth that we have in the back. Yeah, so Richland County uh, Ser Children's Services is here. They have a booth in the back. And uh, what I would encourage people to do is to sign up. You can either put a uh, sign in your yard uh, that foster parents are needed to advertise in your community. Um, but you can also sign up for more information. Um, and I think that when we think of foster care, too, there are kind of three levels that are really of need. Um, the first one is obviously foster families. We've talked about that. The second one is respite. Um, a lot of foster care families, uh, they have kids in their homes that are going through trauma. And uh, they're, you know, they're almost like therapeutic homes. And that's very, very stressful uh, for a family unit, um, you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to be able to even get away for a weekend is necessary. And so you can go through the classes and become trained just to do respite care. Um, but also, um, there are a lot of children who just age out of the system. And when they age out of the system, they are, as you can imagine, a, a little bit lost. That critical area of 18 to 22, imagine going through that, um, basically being an orphan, um, disconnected. The ability to be able to walk alongside them and mentor, even for some of the older people in our congregation. You might be thinking, I'm, I'm in my 70s, I'm in my 80s, I can't change diapers <laughs> understand all right but you i'm in my 40s and i won't change diapers i'm just saying fair <laughs> uh but you can walk alongside a, a 19 year old man who is uh in society and lost yeah. and we can provide that mentoring as well so those three areas are really critical and areas that i think we can step up really easily yeah and do and so for more information on all of that uh, you can go and sign up uh, and uh, get that information. Um, of course, there's a lot of foster families in our congregation that can answer your questions as well. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about, and I don't know if they're in here, the Middletons. Are you in here? Okay, good. We can talk about them. Um, you know, they, they have foster care kids as well, and I had permission to say something about that. And I know they're in desperate need of just some, some people or families that would say, you know what, we're going to get whatever training we need, and we're going to come in, and, and we're going to help you out. Maybe you can say, you know what, we can help the, the, the Middleton family or the Martin family. We can, we can say, listen, once a month for four hours, we want to take your kids so you can just go out and be together and catch your breath. If, if we can all do something like that. So I want to give you a, a kind of a, a three-part challenge today as we conclude. The first one is, would you, would you pray about and consider opening your home uh, to a foster child and becoming a foster home? If that's if you want more interest on, or more uh, information on that, again, see the the the, folks, the ladies at the table out in the, in the lobby, and they can get you signed up for more information. The second part is to, like like Nathan said to 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 give respite. Would you be willing to say, you know what, 
we, we just, in our season of life, we, we really can't bring a foster home. And that's okay, by the way. That's not for everybody. But can you come around the families in our congregation who are foster families and provide them some relief? And then the third part is this, and this is something that every single one of us could and should do. Would you commit to pray for the foster kids, the foster families, and the biological family of the kids in our community? Uh, God can do more than we could ever do, Right? So would you commit to pray? So one or more of those three things I feel like we all should step into and do. I'm going to pray as we close. Nathan, is there anything? uh... Yeah, so if I could just share one anecdote. I know you had said how the the church has done a very good job on this. And I just want to commend um, our church. I said I wasn't going to tear up, and I teared up at first service, and it's going to happen again. So here we go. Um, But... um, a lot, of, a lot of foster families, you would think it's um, commonplace that, you know, children's ministries and stuff are very accepting, but our children have a lot of therapeutic issues, and that's not always the case. Foster parents always, always say amongst each other, like, there's always the meeting, right, where it's like, you know what, your kid is uncontrollable in Sunday school, it's disruptive, maybe they should be in service with you instead of in Sunday school just because of their issues, right? And so we got a call um, from Kelly, and we were like, okay, here we go. Um, But she sat down with us, and she's like, you know what, June, she's very active. Um, what What are some ways that we can minister to June? What are some ways that you accommodate her at home that maybe we can accommodate here? Um, And it was... It's really important to us because June needs Jesus too. And so I'm really, really proud of our community here that we're able to walk alongside foster parents and say, you know what? It doesn't matter the baggage. It doesn't matter the issues. We know that they need Jesus too. And so uh, thank you um, to you know Kelly and the ministry team here. But this is truly a place where if you decide to do foster care, our children's ministry team will help you alongside that journey. You're not going to be in it alone. None of us are in this alone. But right now, there are some kids in Richland County who are alone. And they don't just need you, but they need Jesus. Absolutely. On that note, let's, let's pray right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And we're going to have a concluding song, but would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, God, it's heartbreaking to think about children who don't know where they're going to lay down tonight. That they've just gone through something horribly traumatic of being separated from their families. And God, You have made us aware of the need. May we respond with a resounding, yes, Lord. Whether that be through prayer, to remember the orphans in their need, whether it be through supporting families like the Martins and the Middletons and saying, listen, you guys will never be alone. We are here with you. Or whether it be opening our own homes to the foster kids in our community. So perhaps that we as the church can break some of the cycles that have happened that keep perpetuating themselves from one generation to the next. God, may we do what You do. May we love those who are hard to love. May we be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the good of those who are in our community who can't take care of themselves, who know actual need, who know what it's like to have need. May we meet those needs. God, we love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.